0: What Makes a Killer contains graphic details of sexual assault and violence and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is strongly advised. May 8, 1984, at the Lane County Courthouse in Eugene, Oregon. A mother of three stood accused of murdering her seven-year-old daughter Cheryl and of the attempted murder of her other two children, Christy and Danny. Her name is Diane Down.
1: Diane Downs was pure evil, wrapped up in someone who had a smile. Uh, To this day, she has never admitted that she did the deed.
0: But when her daughter, Christy, testified against her, it was all too
2: clear. When the person asked her the question, who shot you and your siblings? She says, my mom did it. It was a court case that shook America. And all the
0: while, Downs insisted she'd never harmed her family.
3: She violated that sacred duty and attempted, in cold blood, to kill all three of her children.
0: This is What Makes a Killer, a series that chronicles the lives and crimes of the world's most notorious killers. I'm your host, Jennifer Notoso. In every episode, we'll trace a killer's origins, examine their behavior, and follow their path to bloodshed. In this episode, we'll discuss Diane Downs. May 1983, the small industrial town of Springfield, Oregon, was home to one of America's most reviled murderers. 27-year-old Diane Downs had just driven her three children to a remote location outside of town. Downs pulled over to the side of the road and shot each of her kids. Seven-year-old Cheryl would succumb to her injuries, but her siblings Christy and Danny would survive the ordeal, though they were left permanently scarred. The seemingly senseless attack stunned the community and the nation. Criminologist Dr. Elizabeth Yardley explains the difference between Downs and other murderous mothers.
2: What makes this case exceptional is that Diane Downs doesn't look like any other mother who kills their children. Most mothers who kill their children, their children are babies. They're under the age of 12 months. These mothers are from pretty desperate circumstances, but Diane Downs was something altogether different.
0: Talk show host Lars Larson was a young investigative reporter assigned to the sensational story.
2: This
1: case involving Diane Downs really had everything. It had a mother, it had children, murder and sex and mystery, and you had an American murder suspect who had tried to murder her three children and succeeded with one of them and horribly wounded the other two.
0: Downs was having a relationship with a married man, a fellow colleague at the U.S. Postal Office where she worked.
1: Diane Downs said she was in love with this man. This was the man she wanted to be with. She thought that by eliminating the children that that would be the last hurdle she would have to jump over to be able to be with this man forever.
0: Downs decided that he was the most important person in her life, bar none.
2: Here we've got a mother who relentlessly pursued her own wants and desires and really didn't care about her children.
0: Forensic psychologist Rex Bieber gives some insight into the killer's mind.
3: I suspect she's a classic example of a narcissistic killer. The only thing she thinks about is herself. Her children exist in the world for her. She doesn't exist in the world for her children. And her life history suggests that is true. This was a way to change her life. This was a way to get a new boyfriend, the boyfriend she wanted. And that meant so much to her that it was more important to her than the life of her children.
0: The killer's story begins over 60 years ago. Diane Downs was born August 7th, 1955 in Phoenix, Arizona.
3: There's little to indicate that there was anything especially abnormal about her family life.
2: Her father was a postal worker and her mum was a, a stay-at-home mother. Uh, her father was quite the disciplinary and he had some quite strict rules. He would often give lectures to his children about how to behave. But it was very much a stereotypical American nuclear family. As a teenager, Diane met Stephen
0: Downs while in high school and they eventually became a couple. When she was 17, Diane enrolled in Pacific Coast Baptist Bible College in Orange, California.
2: Soon after, the problems began. Diane had gone to Bible college, but that hadn't lasted very long. She was only there for two semesters, and she was kicked out of college because of, quote, her promiscuous behavior. And, and that's a theme that we see throughout her life.
0: After her expulsion, Diane returned to her parents' home in Arizona and married Stephen Downes.
2: They got married when she was 18. Now, she was very quick to, to want to start a family, and they soon had their child.
0: Their first daughter, Christy, was born in October 1974. Just over a year later, Diane had her second child, a girl she named Cheryl.
2: Diane and her husband had two children together. And after this, her husband decides, that's it, enough. Our our family's complete. And he goes and has a vasectomy. But Diane is absolutely adamant she wants another child. So she goes and has a a short-term affair with uh, another man and becomes pregnant with her son, Danny.
3: I suspect that she engaged in what I call instrumental sex. And what I mean by this is, for some women, sex is a tool. It's a weapon. Uh, they want to get pregnant because they believe that that will create a relationship.
2: Diane seemed to really enjoy the pregnancy stage of motherhood. But when the baby actually arrived, she didn't quite like that so much. There are lots of reports that she left the children alone, she left them unattended. When they got home from school, they were waiting on the porch for, for hours at a time.
0: In 1980, Diane and her husband Stephen divorced. Soon after, Diane volunteered to be a surrogate mother and became pregnant again.
1: At the time in the United States, there were approximately 100 surrogate mothers in the entire country. Now, those are the estimates at the time. So being a surrogate mom puts you in a very rarefied piece of air. You were unique.
2: And she was actually interviewed for a national newspaper in the early 1980s. And she very much seemed to enjoy that experience. So she's got a taste of of that limelight. And and she will use her her role as a woman, her role as a mother, as a way to get people to look at her.
0: Diane was paid $10,000 by a couple desperate to have a child. Nine months later, she gave birth to a baby girl that she gave over to the sponsoring couple. That same year, she got a job with the U.S. Postal Service. There, she had an affair that would be the catalyst of a catastrophe.
3: He was a married man who she encountered. They they were sexually involved. And he was fine with just having an affair. But once Diane Downs wanted a real relationship with him, he he was done.
2: Now, she's had quite a lot of short-term relationships with people in this workplace, in in the post office. And he believes that, actually, this is just going to be a bit of a fling because he knows what her reputation is. But she becomes quite fixated on him. She wants them to have a longer-term relationship.
0: But instead, he ended things. He
3: made it very clear to her he didn't want to raise her children, and he didn't want to have children by her. And I believe at the point at which he says that to her, is when she decided that if he won't have me with my children, maybe he'll have me without them.
2: The key thing is that he doesn't want to be the stepfather to her children. So her children at this point in time, they become a barrier to her getting what she wants.
0: By the end of 1981, Diane Downs had moved over 1,200 miles north to Springfield, Oregon.
2: Now, after she moves to to Oregon, she expects that he's just going to follow her. And actually that doesn't happen. He's not interested. Diane Downs pursued
0: her former lover for nearly two years, writing and even visiting him to plead for his affections to no avail. It was at this point that the cold-hearted mother came to an unimaginable conclusion. In order to be with the man she loved, she had to kill her children. Late in the afternoon on May 19th, Diane Downs took her three children, eight-year-old Christy, seven-year-old Cheryl, and three-year-old Danny on a doomed journey. They were headed to a farm in the small rural town of Marcola, just 12 miles away from their home in Springfield. Criminologist Dr. Elizabeth Yardley notes that Downs decided to go
2: far out of her way for
0: what she had
2: planned she's going kind of out of the way from, from where she lived. She's on the opposite side of town. So she appears to be doing things that, that aren't particularly rational.
0: The children had no idea their mother decided to set herself free, so to speak. In order to run away with the man she was obsessed with, Diane Downs planned to kill her children that evening. Lars Larsen was an investigative reporter during this time and remembers the case well.
1: When we see a killer who says, well, I was gonna kill my children and then I could be with this man forever, we say, well, that's irrational, that's crazy. But to her, I think it made perfect
0: sense.
2: She's completely smashed any of our expectations about mothers, they should put their children first and that is something that she's never done.
0: Diane Downs drove her three children to a co-worker's house in Marcola
1: and her children get to see the horses and pet the horses, and she talks to this co-worker, and they visit for a while.
2: The problem was, the woman she was visiting had no idea Downs was coming. This friend doesn't seem to be able to make sense of, of why Diane has suddenly turned up there.
0: The unusual trip was part of Diane Downs' carefully designed murder plan. The visit to see the horses would serve as an alibi.
1: She thought, if I could just get rid of these three children, then I could go with the love of my life. But she had to do it, so she conspired for a long time. She arranged this phony visit to a friend's house that she never visited before. She conspired to be driving home late on a lonely road a long way from any houses or any activity. I believe that she was planning this for at least days, could have been even weeks.
0: Forensic psychologist Rex Bieber explains that Downs was set on the plan before the family even left home. One thing that
3: we need to understand about these crimes is that because she's driving down the street with a a loaded gun, which means before she stepped into that car, she knew she was going to kill her children.
0: Following her carefully laid out plan, after leaving the farm, Diane Downs packed the children in the car and drove to a meticulously chosen site on Old Mohawk Road. She pulled over and got out of the car.
3: We are talking about a premeditated homicide. This is something that the average person thinks of as inconceivable and impossible.
0: With her children unaware, she went to the trunk of the car. She pulled out a Ruger 22 caliber semi-automatic pistol then walked back to the driver's side with the gun in hand.
3: When the children first see the gun, they have to be in total disbelief. It it has to be inconsistent with all of their experience.
0: Downs knelt on the seat, leaned forward toward her daughter, seven-year-old Cheryl, and from about six inches away, fired. State trooper and forensic expert Jim Pex remembers that night.
4: One shot was in the back that uh, exited about at the sternum. And that was probably the bullet that was found in in the passenger side inside the vehicle.
0: As Cheryl tried to exit the car, her mother leaned out of the passenger side door and fired again.
4: There was another shot in the lower torso here that stayed in her. After the first bullet is fired, the
3: second and third bullets are fired within seconds when a gun is fired in a closed space like a car, it is very loud. I mean, it is booming, shocking, on its own. is stunning, and for children, more so.
0: Next, Down shot her three-year-old son in the back.
4: Boy was on the driver's side back seat, uh, had a single wound, uh, gunshot wound to the spine.
0: She then shot her daughter, Christy, in the chest twice. As the young girl raised her hand to defend herself, A bullet ripped through the thumb of her left hand.
4: There was a bullet penetrating wound that went through her hand, exited near the thumb, and then into her chest.
0: In the back of the car, Christy and Danny were clinging to life. Cheryl was in the front seat on the floor, mortally wounded. Forensic pathologist, Dr. Stuart Hamilton, gives some insight as to why Downs chose this method for executing her children.
5: I suspect that Diane Downs chose to shoot her children because in placing distance mentally and physically between her and them, it's a cold, calculated decision. You don't have to be staring into somebody's eyes to do it.
0: It was a clinical and cruel attack, but Downs' evil plan was far from over. While her children lay dying, Diane Downs continued on with her scheme, and covered her tracks.
3: Not only did she know she was going to kill her children, she knew that she was going to have to, in order to make it look like somebody else did it, she was going to
1: have to shoot herself. So she shot herself in in the arm. She knew she could probably get away with shooting through the fleshy part of her arm, not do any permanent damage, not break a bone, not incapacitate herself. And then she arranged to take a bandage that she'd already folded up and put in the trunk of her car. It was a large piece of cloth to wind it around her arm because she had shot herself in her own left arm.
0: Downs then drove six miles to the Mackenzie Willamette Medical Center in Springfield.
5: Gunshot wounds, particularly multiple gunshot wounds, the damage that can be done is tremendous. If it's not destroyed something vital like the heart, then you've got serious problems with ongoing bleeding, and that can be rapidly fatal. A number of minutes could do it.
0: If Downs had driven as fast as possible, she might have received help for her children in about 10 minutes. But instead, she drove painfully slowly.
3: So slowly that she actually held up traffic. And what's amazing to me, and what makes this a special moment, is here are her children, they've been shot. They're on the literal precipice of death. And and she's traveling 10 miles an hour to make sure, from her perspective, that they don't get to the hospital on time.
1: And we know this because of witnesses who pulled up behind her on the road, couldn't figure out, why is she going so slowly? And because it was such a winding lonely road these people had to follow for a long period of time
3: that represents a sordid departure from her obligations as a mother like i have never seen that was her last chance to save those children that was the last chance for her superego, for her moral self to step in and say i've got to stop and it didn't happen And and that that made it a truly horrible moment maybe more horrible than the shooting itself. Because at that point, she proved herself beyond redemption.
0: Downs' odd driving continued to attract attention from other cars and their curious passengers.
1: A family that happened to be on the same road had a child in the car. I think he was eight or nine years old. And earlier in the day, they had seen a red automobile with Arizona plates, which happened to be red. He says to his mother, are all the cars from Arizona red? That's the kind of comment a child would make, but it would cement your mind. So they knew that they were following a car they would later identify as Diane Downs' car, who had a red Nissan car with red Arizona license plates
0: on it. Diane Downs pulled into the Springfield Hospital about 30 minutes after she had shot her children.
1: She finally gets to the hospital. She spills out of the car, says to the emergency room personnel, please save my children. Well, one of them has already died. Uh, The other two uh, were just, just barely saved.
5: Cheryl, the middle daughter, she was dead on arrival at hospital. She had been shot and she had choked on
2: her own blood. She died in pain. Her daughter, Christy, has also been shot twice, but she's alive. Danny, the son, had been shot once, and he was clinging on to to life as well.
5: On arrival at hospital, Christy is not even able to speak, so we may have a mixture of direct trauma there, injury to the brain from a stroke, and the shock, the horror of what's happened to her. And she ultimately suffers a stroke, most likely as a result of blood loss, so... In her case, it wasn't lethal, but it was totally life-changing. Danny has been shot, and he is paralyzed because of the damage to his spinal cord.
0: The medical staff noticed that, oddly, only one member of the family had a bandage on their wounds. She's got
2: these these three one fatally injured child in the car, and she, she goes into the hospital. And she is the only one that appears to have a, a dressing. She's the only one who, who appears to have an injury that's been treated. So that suggests to me that actually she's put herself first again. She's made sure that she's okay. She's nursed her own injury whilst her children were in the car dying.
3: I think the fact in the case that is the most extraordinary is that after she mustered up whatever courage it took to shoot three of her children, she had to create the impression
1: that somehow she was a victim. She wasn't a victim in this case. She was a coldly calculating mother who had decided to eliminate her children as the roadblock between her and her life with this man.
0: Downs had concocted an improbable story about a bushy-haired stranger a mysterious carjacker who had shot her children. Downes claimed that she managed to trick the attacker and sped off to the hospital in order to save her fatally wounded children. But as the investigation would soon prove, Downes' story was part of a devious, unhinged scheme she formulated to get away with murder. It was an unusual and disturbing scene at the Mackenzie Willamette Medical Center. Criminologist Dr. Elizabeth Yardley and former investigative reporter Lars Larson explained Downs'
2: discombobulated explanation of what happened. So in the hospital, she starts to put aside her version of events. She says that the car was flagged down by a bushy-haired stranger
1: she said had been attacked on a lonely road late at night and she was on her way driving home and she sees a man her story and decides to stop he's signaling for help
0: according to downs when she got out of the car the bushy-haired man shot her in the arm and then shot her three children
1: what didn't make sense is that he would shoot her in the arm not in the head not in the chest but shoot her in the arm and then shoot her three children inside the car, blood everywhere. And then she claimed that she had her keys for her car uh, on a ring. And she said she pretended to throw it, the way you can say, pretend to throw a ball for your dog. While he's distracted, she jumps in the car, she says, pulls her door shut and manages to drive off, she says, at high speed. I believe she said, I drove like a mad wolf.
0: The story was sensational and far-fetched and just left everyone baffled.
1: The story that didn't make sense at all was that Diane Downs would stop her car, open her door and get out of the car for this man who she didn't know.
0: But it was not just the odd tale that was troubling. Downs's dubious behavior at the hospital
2: also alarmed observers. But according to the doctor in charge at the hospital, she was calm. She was quite self-assured. She appeared to be in control of her behavior. She was occasionally laughing. She was occasionally giggling. Hospital staff described her reaction as perplexing. Danny sustained a shot to the spine, and when his mother was told about this, she seemed to be quite surprised. Oh, so it it didn't hit him in the heart, suggesting that perhaps that was her intention when she shot him.
0: Again, when she was told of Christie's injuries, she showed little compassion for her injured child. Forensic psychologist Rex Bieber says that her immediate response was quite strange.
3: Diane told the doctors that if if her daughter was going to have, you know, any kind of brain damage to let her die. This is very unusual as an as an immediate response.
0: But it was her daughter Christie's reaction to her own mother that set alarm bells
2: ringing. Diane comes into the room where Christy is in the hospital, and she leans over the bed and and starts saying to Christy, I love you. And from the the people in the room, they say that Christy looked absolutely terrified. They noticed that her heart rate had gone through the roof when Diane came into the room. So this is a little girl who is very frightened. She's afraid of her mother. And and this is a a really clear indication of that. She's scared that her mother is going to try and harm her again.
3: For one of the children to wake up with the memory that her mother shot her is its just indescribable. The universe becomes unstable and untrustworthy. The sky has
4: fallen.
0: State trooper and forensic expert Jim Pex was called the night of the incident.
4: Her attitude and demeanor in the hospital was very unusual. Uh, for for the kind of incident that occurred uh, to her own children. And so that was probably one of the first indications by the deputy who was there that this, this doesn't look right.
0: They didn't believe Downs' version of the events, and investigators quickly
2: identified her as the prime suspect. In the aftermath of this attack, the decision is made to, to remove the children from Diane's care, to, to put them into to foster care. They became wards of the state. So Diane, at this point, has lost her children. The police didn't immediately arrest Downs.
0: Instead, they painstakingly gathered evidence in the case.
4: I received a call from the sheriff's office that there had been a shooting and involved a woman and her children and that uh, there was a need to process a vehicle.
0: Pex closely examined the entire car that night and in daylight the whole of the next day. When he looked at the passenger side door and the areas underneath the car, he made a series of discoveries that would break the case wide open.
4: I spotted a blood stain in the door jamb of the passenger door and the direction was wrong. It, it came from the outside
0: According to Diane Downs, the assailant was standing outside the vehicle on the driver's side of the car. But Jim Pecks found that the murdered girl's blood had spattered back onto the door jam on the passenger side, the opposite side, to where this bushy-haired man had supposedly attacked.
4: You can see that there is a small blood stain uh, here, so the door was open at the time that this blood stain was created, outside the vehicle.
0: The blood spatter meant that seven year old Cheryl was shot at least once when she was outside the car on the passenger side of the vehicle.
4: Strings are used to show the position of the origin of these blood stains from when they traveled through the air and struck the side of the vehicle.
0: Crucially, Jim Pex also found some tiny droplets of blood under the car as well, on the rocker panel under the door on the passenger side.
4: You can see on on this lower portion here. There are a number of very small blood stains. These are probably one to two millimeters in size.
0: This discovery led Jim to an irrefutable conclusion.
4: When I found the blood spatter outside the vehicle, that was a uh, you know something is amiss in this story because that's a long ways away to shoot someone who is very close to the rocker panel. And I knew from the size of the droplets that it was created by someone who's coughing blood or a contact, near contact shot. The muzzle would have to be close to get droplets that were that small. And you have to stop back and think when the individual, uh, the bushy-haired stranger allegedly is standing outside the driver's door. That takes some pretty long arms to get clear over there and outside the passenger door.
0: What Jim Pecks did not find further confirmed their suspicions. There were no blood spatters on the driver's side of the car at all. If the bushy-haired man had attacked, as Downs had said, Jim would have expected to find blood spatters on the driver's side of the car. But there were none.
4: So again, it arouses our suspicions in law enforcement uh, that something is amiss here if someone's not telling the truth.
0: It was clear to Jim Pex and his fellow detectives that whoever shot seven-year-old Cheryl could not have been standing outside the car on the driver's side. The evidence also showed that the shooter fired the gun within inches of the victim's body.
1: And that was significant in her case because one of the children had tried to open the car door to escape either because Diane Downs was shooting the two kids in the back or because she had already been shot and fell out of the car and she was shot again.
0: More evidence uncovered in the car showed how Christy and Danny had been shot and where those shots came from.
4: In looking at the, at the clothing that all of the children had on, I was able to do specific tests to determine how far away the end of the muzzle was from each of them at the time that the shot was fired. You can
1: tell both from powder burns, because when when the bullet is fired, there's a certain amount of, of powder that comes out and it's still burning. If a gun is fired at very close range to either clothing or to skin, it will cause burning around that, that you will not see if somebody is shot from a greater distance.
0: Jim Pex concluded that the two children in the back seat had been shot by someone who had fired from inside the car and from point blank range. Detectives now had proof that Diane Downs' story about a mysterious, bushy-haired stranger was a lie.
3: Physical evidence—the blood splatter evidence—did not conform to the way she described the crime. So it became pretty apparent, pretty quickly,
4: that she was the perpetrator.
0: Meanwhile, Diane Downs was left free to talk to the press and protest her innocence.
4: It was decided to go ahead and continue to let her talk because we knew there was a relationship to her with this shooting. And so she, she continued to uh, harangue law enforcement and imply that we're looking at her and that we weren't looking for the bushy-haired stranger. Yeah, she was right, we weren't.
0: When Pex found spent bullet cases inside the car, he determined that all the victims had been shot with a twenty-two caliber semi-automatic weapon. So they issued a warrant and searched Diane Downs' house in Springfield.
2: The police are quite surprised at what they find. This does not look like a family home. This looks like the home of a rather narcissistic single woman. So there are three pictures on top of the television stand of Diane Also, one of the things that the police find is a a unicorn, which appears to be a kind of memorial to the children. It has their, their names on it and a date on it, but surprisingly, this wasn't something that Diane came to acquire after the attack. It's something that was already there before, so she's memorializing her children even before they're dead.
3: The question becomes, how can a mother maim two of her children and kill another child? and live with herself. And the answer is she can live with herself only if the only thing in her universe was her narcissism and herself. Her children don't exist. They, from her perspective, was an obstruction between her and her new love. Beyond that, they were nothing.
0: When the detectives found Downs' diary, her motivation for gunning down her three children was eerily
2: clear. In that diary, she talks an awful lot about the co-worker that she's become incredibly fixated on. And it becomes quite clear to police that this relationship with him is the reason that she's tried to kill her children, was because they were the barrier, they were the obstacle that was standing in the way of her relationship with him.
0: During the search, the police also found a 22 caliber rifle.
4: It was certainly suspicious it's a 22 rifle. So, you know, is this potentially the murder weapon? We took the rifle back to the crime laboratory. I test fired the rifle and compared the tool marks created by the rifle to the cartridge casings that were found at the scene. They were different. So the rifle was not used in the commission of this crime.
0: However, the unspent bullets found in the magazine cartridge did provide a vital clue that would help solve the case.
4: Even though the marks on the cartridges from the rifle didn't match test fires that I performed with the rifle. They had the same extractor marks on them as the casings that I retrieved from the vehicle.
0: The extractor marks are made on the soft shell casing when a bullet is ejected from the barrel of a gun.
1: The way the gun gets rid of that bullet is a thing called an ejector. As that gun cycles, pulls the shell back and then kicks it out of a port and it's gone, and then chambers another round. Let's say you have a pistol that's already loaded, and you decide, I want to unload the gun. You would then release the magazine, that's all the other bullets, and then, pointing it in a safe direction, you pull the slide, and when you pull it back, it will take the unfired bullet, so bullet and shell, and kick it out of the gun. She had apparently done this had cycled some rounds of ammunition through the gun and they had ejector marks on them. Even within the same brand, make, model, and year of a gun, those ejector marks are somewhat unique. Even if you had two identical Ruger pistols, the ejector marks will be slightly different. They're imperfections in manufacturing of the gun. There'll be small differences, but there will be differences.
0: Jim Pex placed two 22 caliber bullets side by side under a comparison microscope one ejected by Downs' rifle, and the other one that was found inside the crime scene car.
4: These extractor marks were both made by the same extractor, which means there is a relationship between the cartridge casings from the crime scene and the cartridges from her apartment. Then we knew that this is a breakthrough moment where there is a relationship to the fired casings that hit the children to the cartridges that were inside the tubular magazine of the rifle.
0: Checking sales records, police knew that Diane Downs had owned a Ruger 22 caliber semi-automatic pistol. After test firing one over and over again, Jim Pex found similar extractor marks on the bullet casings. He concluded that a Ruger 22 caliber pistol was the murder weapon, but it was never found.
1: While Diane Downs managed to dispose of the gun, but at home she had a rifle that also shot 22 caliber rounds. And when the police processed this evidence, they found that they were the same manufacturer as the bullets that were used to shoot her children. They had ejector marks on them, some of them, that were the same as the ejector marks from the pistol.
0: The bullet casings and their telltale extractor marks were enough to convict Diane Downs for the murder and attempted murder of her three children. On February 28, 1984, nine months after the crime, she was brought into custody.
1: When the arrest finally went down, I think the whole town breathed a sigh of relief.
0: She appeared at the Lane County Courthouse for her arraignment. After the charges were read, Downs sprung a major surprise. Her attorney
1: stands up and after he's finished all the legal arguments, says, and besides, your honor, my client is pregnant and it would be bad for her health to go to jail. I was sitting in that courtroom seat. You could hear the entire room take a big deep breath. It was stunning, just absolutely stunning.
0: According to rumors, the father was a local reporter
1: there was one reporter that had sex with her, and I can tell you this, it wasn't me. And she became pregnant from that, but she loved the attention that she got.
0: By the time the trial began on May 8th,
2: 1984, Downs was eight months pregnant. Obviously, she was pregnant at the time of the trial, and this was something that I think she thought would help her garner quite a bit of sympathy. Those antics, though, were not enough to fool the jury. A
0: mountain of evidence went a long way to convincing them of Diane Downs' culpability in the crime. Then her surviving daughter, Christy, at that point age 10, took the stand.
1: This little girl had to have been under so much strain and stress. Her mother's tried to kill her. She's living with a new family. Her sister is dead, her brother's in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. And now she has to sit in front of a room full of strangers and talk about the most difficult night of her life
2: she gets up on the stand and when the, the the person asks her the question who shot you and your siblings she says my mom did it
1: this was one of those moments in court where everything is dead still nobody dares breathe
0: christy laid out how her mother first shot cheryl then turned and shot danny in the back then shot her twice in the chest
1: the testimony just tore your heart apart. This wasn't the critical piece of information. There was lots of f- physical evidence of what Diane Downs had done. But I think this was essential in making sure that Diane Downs was convicted of the crime she committed.
0: On June 17, 1984, the jury found Diane Downs guilty of the murder of her seven-year-old daughter Cheryl and the attempted murder of her daughter Christy and son Danny. She was sentenced to life in prison plus 50 years. Ten days after she was found guilty, Downs gave birth to a baby girl. The child was seized by the state and immediately given up for adoption. At the same time, the prosecutor in the case, Fred Hugie, adopted the two children who survived their mother's attack.
4: After the trial was over, Fred adopted the two children. And he did a wonderful job of raising those two kids. So I admire him for that. That
1: was a lifetime commitment to be the father and his wife, the mother to these children that they really deserved and that Diane Downs denied to them.
0: In prison, Diane Downs managed yet another surprise. On July 11th, 1987, three years after her incarceration began, she escaped.
1: She got out of the prison easy as pie, climbed the fence. She was loose for more than a week, and she was only about 10 blocks away. She was staying with some men. Later, one of the men said he thought she was trying to get pregnant.
0: Ten days later, Downs was caught and returned to prison, where, to this day, she protests her innocence.
1: I can tell you that for all the stories I've covered, Diane Downs stands out because this woman was pure evil.
3: She did something that's unheard of. She violated that sacred duty uh, and attempted in cold blood to kill all three of her children for no other reason than to increase her chances at having a particular boyfriend.
2: I don't think there is anything worse than than this kind of betrayal by your own mother. Your your mother is the, the one that should nurture you, should protect you.
0: What makes a killer is an audio boom original series in production with woodcut media and hosted by me jennifer notoso this series is produced by audio booms lauren vogel blair payton pam burrows karen bevan alexandra jueno and neil fern production for woodcut provided by andy papadopoulos jenny day and kula anastasi original music by ben Creggi. executive producer for woodcut is kate beale and for audio boom are brendan regan and stuart last If you haven't already, don't forget to follow us on Spotify or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite shows. If you have some time, please leave us a review. Thank you. On next week's episode of What Makes a Killer. North Yorkshire, England, July 25th, 2004. After a nationwide manhunt, One of Britain's most wanted killers was arrested two weeks after he committed the first of four murders. He was spotted shopping at a gas station, and the owner immediately alerted the police.
5: When he's approached by the police, he's arrogant, vain, his ego in full play. He says, I'm a murderer, aren't I?
0: Fueled by drugs and alcohol, 34-year-old Mark Hobson had murdered his girlfriend, Claire, and six days later, her twin sister, Diane.
5: She was tortured, she was cut with razors, with scissors. Those sort of injuries are sometimes the most upsetting because you can imagine what they'd feel like.
0: The following day, he killed an elderly couple, James and Joan Britton.
5: He apparently wasn't able to even recall murdering the Brittons. Not only had Hobson treated them, his two victims, like disposable rubbish, He'd also mutilated them.